Joshua wants to add a couple of weights. He's going to get some at the tackle shop. Well, you know, I like to lean back. I don't I don't use my iPad in the bed. I've been married a lot longer than you have, so <laughs> Welcome to Tectonic, episode number 47. This is a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. I am your host, Joe Darnell, and with me is my friend, Joshua Pfeiffer. Hey, Joshua. Hey, good evening. What's going on? I am just ready to talk about technology. We got so much on the outline today. It's not like Apple hasn't been in the news and they've been, you know, in the courts and you know, privacy issues out the wazoo haven't been scaring Americans left and right. But we're not going to talk about any of those things because, gosh darn it, do we have other things on our plate to discuss? <laughs> yeah, that, that that's a whole uh, whole other show topic that we could probably spend uh, a good bit of time. We should probably find someone that's really knowledgeable about security because it's uh, certainly an interest of mine. Oh, really? Is it is it something you've been following in the news? Oh yeah, I. Uh, I wanted to watch the whole 30 minute interview last night, but my wife wouldn't let me. So I had to watch it today, but, uh, with you know, Tim Cook on, I think it was ABC, uh, did a whole, whole deal. It was kind of frustrating because I, I was, I guess it was, I'm guessing it was the extended interview that they don't, didn't really show on TV because the guy kept pretty much asking the same question over and over and over. And like, we were just like screaming at the TV, like, yeah, it was pretty ridiculous, but, but it was a great interview tim really nailed it i watched it last night my wife let me do that yeah it was interesting it was a, a clash of uh of rhetoric you know i'm gonna use this rhetoric to counter this rhetoric and really kind of talking past each other but yeah again topic for another show <laughs> hmm. well there are lots of other shows that have talked about it actually uh, just to do our listeners a favor i'll put a couple of them in the show notes because i really liked what i heard and honestly if you didn't check out tim's video you need to start there that's, I felt like if you don't understand these problems, you need to listen to Tim. He's figured it out. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it was more, this is Apple's uh, political rhetoric, you know, legal rhetoric rather than actually getting into the details. I've seen a lot of other, um, a lot of other articles that got a little bit deeper than, than, uh, than his talking points. But I mean, I'm not saying he did a bad job. He's doing what actually needs to happen, which is to persuade the public, which is largely ignorant of these things. So I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's available on, uh, ABC's app on the Apple TV and I presume iOS stuff's not sure about the web, but it's worth watching. Yeah. We'll, we'll start with the presidential candidates. So it'd be great if they would watch it first. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and introduce our guest with us. We have my old friend, John Livingston. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. It's good to be back. Are you doing well these days? It's been a while since we had you on the show. You injure engineering anything new and interesting? Well, I guess it, it, it's only interesting depending on what your interests are. Uh, I'm, I've been ongoing in a, in a couple of projects, a couple of really big power transformers. That's a Michael Bay thing, right? Yes. No, <laughs> no. The Megan Fox thing, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly. Yeah, he, he got that reference. He didn't get the Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but welcome back to the show. I understand that since we had you on the show, everything just changed for you when you picked up a new device, something that you're exploring, you, you had a good feeling about. You've been using Apple devices now for a good long time. But we wanted to have you back the moment that you said that you got the iPad Pro. You were one of the earliest adopters. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, I was uh, I was traveling uh, for work, and I set my alarm especially early that morning to make sure that it would uh, wake me up just as soon as the iPad Pro went on sale. Because you know how these things go with Apple high demand products. Oh, yeah. You, I guess, in the days after it, I read that it was it's really unusual for there to be any kind of back order experience with n new Apple releases, but it really seems like the last couple that I have participated in were back orders, the Apple watch and now the Apple, the iPad pro and specifically the, the Apple pencil. And, uh, I was one of the f few fortunate ones. I think I, 
my app, the iPad Pro shipped uh, immediately. Uh, I got it. I, I can't remember now. I think it came, I don't know, within within a week. But the Apple Pencil was another story. And uh, I got the the smart keyboard also. And there, you got that the day you got the iPad? No, not quite. Um, it actually came. I think it arrived about two weeks later. Both the, the keyboard and the pencil. I had. Uh, I was booked for a, a two week back order. And by the time, so by, by the time you got the the cover, your iPad was all scratched up and you know useless. Yes, the resale value <laughs> plummeted tremendously. So I'm stuck with the thing now. <laughs> Gazelle, here you come. So I'm interested. Uh, I think we've we've might have chatted a little bit about this, but I'm interested in uh, knowing how you're using it at work. You know, of course, I can't take it into my work. You know, I, I'm skipping ahead. Uh, hint: I, I recently bought one, but uh, I can't take it to my work, mm-hmm. so I, I don't really know how to do engineering work with it. I've been doing some business stuff with it, but um, yeah, I'm interested in, in what you what you do. I know you do do a lot of PDF stuff. Uh, what else do you do at the at the job? Yeah, so for years I've been waiting for the right device. You know, the iPads came out. And when the first ones came out, uh, and I got I got an iPad 2 in 2011 when it was released. And, uh, you know, there was another one I had to wait a while for. I don't know. I, I think every Apple launch is plagued by these issues. I don't know what the, the media is saying anyway. Um, <laughs> it, at work, we do a lot of redlining documents. And I've been waiting for that perfect device to replace in a one-to-one fashion, pen and paper, pencil and paper. And, you know, I recognized almost from the beginning that the iPad 1, 2, 3, and so on would not be able to do that because they didn't have the, I guess it's the the active technology present in some of the other stylus products like the the, the various laptops with the, the Microsoft stylus or, or the Samsung there's one note and uh, the galaxy uh, oh ga- galaxy note i think the galaxy note I yeah think that's yeah. a that's a thing yeah. one note is the uh, microsoft application for taking notes which is decent but i use that on a daily basis now but you know the apple itself the ipad itself had this big fat you know this it had this uh, you had to have a passive kind of it expected more of a a big fat finger than it did a a, a very precise stylus but when the iPad Pro was announced, it was pretty obvious to me, looking at the Apple Pencil, that this was this was it, and Apple had done it. So yeah, well, like what you're describing is that for so long, all this beautiful aluminum body technology was inferior to something as basic as just a mechanical pencil, a sharp, regular sharp wood pencil. I mean, you just could not write with a thing as well as you could with a pad and paper and that that has been the holy grail for tablet devices because i think all the way back at the beginning of the tablet spectrum people compare them to moses's tablets coming down from mount sinai <laughs> right and when it comes right down to it i bet you that moses was able to do, perform a better job with a, a chisel than we were able to perform with the, you know our, our fingers on a smart tablet Wait, didn't wait, didn't God write the Ten Commandments with his finger? Yes, he did. He did the first time. Yeah, and we're made in God's image, therefore we should be able to use the iPad without a without a stylus. I think that was Steve Jobs' point. Mm. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the point the point taken. And fast forward to today though, uh, post Jobs, I guess uh Steve Jobs like AD of history, we what we're limited to is that the, the the Apple Pencil needed to come into existence. And I'm so glad that it now exists. And there was this recent debacle concerning whether or not it was going to let you navigate the iPad Pro with the Pencil or if Apple was going to take that support out mm, with the beta pencil program. Gate. Mm. Hashtag, hashtag PencilGate. Oh, yeah. It was a thing. Right. Well, thankfully, Apple did listen to the people. And we don't know conclusively whether or not this was uh, Apple, you know, listening to the public and rescinding and you know giving them back what they requested, or if it was 
uh, all along just a fluke in the beta program that they didn't have the support for the pencil to navigate around the device. But getting back to the vision, John has just laid out here for us, it is now kind of coming into its own. And we're seeing the rumor has it that in March and beyond, there's going to be a new kind of iPad Pro to replace, or should I say, be the next generation of 9.7 inch screen size for the iPad Air model. So the iPad Air 3 would be called something like the the 9 inch iPad Pro. Uh, so the, the, clearly, this is the direction Apple is headed. The where baby Pro. The baby Pro. the The iPad Pro Mini. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> The, the iPad Pro C, uh, S, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure they will not uh, rename the next Air Air Three uh, Pro. I, I don't think that, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I think they're obviously going to bring a lot of the functionality of the Pro down to that smaller form factor, which makes sense. But I mean, what really makes it a Pro is the size. I think is is what they're gonna what they're gonna go with. In my yeah, opinion. And that- and that's really, in fact, I mean, it's not just the Apple Pencil in my experience. It's the fact that, that the screen surface is actually big enough that, I mean, it's, a, it's like a you know, large piece of paper. You can rest your hand on it, and you, don't, you, can, you, can, you can move your hand writing like you normally do writing without you know, like falling off the edge. <laughs> yeah, you, you have room for your signature, yeah, that, your, your John Hancock signature. No, my John Livingston. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> no, it's, that's a bad joke. <laughs> Hopefully right. we can edit that out. Continue. So, yeah, I, I kind of hopped ahead there and started prodding John about my uh, about his his use uh, of the iPad. But, but maybe I'll just uh, hop back in and say that, uh, yeah, I went ahead and, and, and bought the uh, bit the bullet. Uh, I've been telling everyone now, just wait for the second generation. And I said that about the watch and I said that, said that about the iPad pro. And I, I just tend to go ahead and just buy these things. But it's, uh, well, it, maybe, I, it's, I guess maybe it, it's because I, I prod you, you know, and I, I taunt you with my, <laughs> my text and my pictures and at the bottom of all of them, it says sent from an iPad pro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I, I just have really been kind of struggling with, uh, you know, which, which path to go. Do I, do I continue, continue down the, the, uh, Mac route, or or do I just plod ahead with OS iOS, and you know it's it's obviously the the up and coming uh, beast. It's the the thing that everyone's talking about. It's all the developers are making their stuff, and it always tends to be so much cheaper to buy apps there than on Mac. So, and, and with the kids with the with with their iOS devices, you know, it just seemed to make sense to kind of move in that direction. I'm not convinced that it's as efficient as a Mac, but it's getting there. And so I'd like to be along for that ride. So a couple things fell into place. Uh, one, uh, Katie Floyd, uh, tweeted out a huge sale at Staples, uh, $150 off. And I thought, Oh, $150 off. It's a surely a sign from heaven, but it'll, I'm sure it's one of those 24 hour sales that'll go away, but it didn't, it hung around for like a week. So I thought, well, I guess, I guess that's, that's even more of a sign. And also I was, uh, I've been working on a project and I was finalizing a document and I thought it would really be nice to just kind of chill out at the end of the evening and sit down with an iPad and, and review this document, maybe mark it up. And so I thought, well, now that I actually have a use case that I can actually point to with my finger, no pun intended, mm. uh, I went ahead and, and bit the bullet. <laughs> so yeah, federal income tax rebate also helped. So yeah, it all worked out. Uh, overall, I'm uh, I'm very pleased with it so far. Did you go with the 128? Did you get the 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 sailor cape? Well, you you would have to if you got the 120. You know, I, I debated for a minute. Do I go with 32? I thought no, no, I can't do it. Uh, even though I'm probably only using about 32, uh, I've got about 95 gigs free, which is just amazing. So. Well, and one of the things, and I was talking to Joe about this uh, at church a few weeks ago. And he recounted some other stories, some testimonies that he had talked about. Maybe he can get into that a little bit. But, you know, one of the things that, and like you said, Josh, in terms of efficiency, it's probably not yet as efficient as using a MacBook or or even a Windows laptop, for that matter, in some areas. But I wonder how much of that is because we're so familiar with the existing system. With the iPad Pro, the the workflow is is 
really a lot different than anything I've ever done on a computer with file systems and, and file management. Two of the biggest apps that I use are PDF Expert and PDF Converter. And I think they're like 10 bucks a piece or you can buy them in a, in a discounted package together. But creating copies of files, you, if you open a Word file and you want to convert it to, to PDF, you don't just send it or open it in PDF Expert. You open the Word file and then you send it in, to PDF Converter and open it in PDF Converter and then you send a copy to PDF Expert. So you get all these copies of files floating around. I guess it's, it makes me happy that I've got the 128 gig version because I don't really have to worry about running out of space, especially when I'm manipulating five and 35 megabyte PDF files, creating three and four copies in rapid succession in under 30 seconds. One of the problems with iOS for many of us is that there isn't a, a very powerful filing system. It's not got feature parity with the Finder on a Mac. But that's also one of its charms, is that without that filing system, people have naturally come to use it the way that it was intended, that the files live within apps, and if you want to get it from one app to another, you share it with the other app. It appears there, you can make edits and changes to it, and it's not going to usually affect the copy left back in the original app. Yeah, that's right. Now, there are pros and cons to this system, because now you have two different versions of the file, or maybe maybe it's not even that kind of concern, because maybe you created something in a Word file document, you know, editor, and now you just shared it with an email app and you sent it on its way to the client or your one of your coworkers or peers. So it doesn't really need to have a parity or a file system supporting it where everything is tracked with the same version, except that, you know, there's just, there's a lot of trade-offs there. I think a lot of people are more comfortable with the flexibility, the, the full-on customization and the power you have over your files on a traditional PC. And with tablets thinking differently and the iPhones, the smartphones thinking differently, the, the way that they think isn't the way that we have decades of experience with our computers and our technology and it has tripped up a lot of the old school technology enthusiasts and programmers and power users because we just think, well, where is the file system? Where did it all go? And it's there. It's just Apple doesn't want you to busy yourself with it. It's a big shift. The downside of that is that if it is the multiple file versions as well as the filling up the device with crap that you don't need exactly so, version control so I, I think a not only version control but there needs to be i would like to see more apps have ability to clear cache which i guess most users wouldn't know how to do maybe it should be an os level thing that clears out old files or something but i know a lot of files uh, if you know I, I spent a lot of time looking at uh, uh in the 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 storage settings some apps just get larger and larger and larger. And I'm thinking, I'm not really using that that much. What is it doing? Mm -hmm. It's just gathering crap on my device. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I'll just delete the app and reinstall it. I mean, that's not, that's not what you should have to do. So yeah, hopefully in time that'll work itself out. Okay. So Joshua, do you have the pencil? Do you have the keyboard? What are you making of these devices, these peripherals? Uh, I've got a lot of notes here on the case issue. Uh, I, I bought the pencil, don't have it in, so I can't really speak a whole lot to that. But the case, I really have been struggling ever since the iPad Pro came out. Like, what? Well, what which model it? did you get? Well, I went with the Logitech uh, Clear, I believe it's called, which is a more of a, <laughs> it's a very heavy, very thick uh, case. But the upside is that it is much more rigid and laptop-like. Uh, I call it the in-lap solution. I may have coined that. I'm not sure. Uh, mm. In-lap solution. Yes, yes. You heard it here, guys. Yeah. I, yeah, I just came up with it. Uh, but basically, I wanted it to be, like, when I'm done working and I want to keep, like, my brain is willing, but my body is weak, and I'm just plopped down in the chair in the evening, I want to be able to keep working. Uh, so I want it on my lap. I want, ki you know, kids are going to be running by. I want something that's rigid that's not going to just topple over and the apple solution looked a little weak it looked like you know it was designed for hipsters at a coffee shop or something and and i need something that would or john you know 
Well, there's not much of a difference, right? I've got a beard. But you have a job, so. <laughs> uh, so so I, I just wanted something a little bit more rigid. And I was really actually pretty pleased by the, the Logitech, uh, the, the magnets and how it was laid out. It'll actually hold the iPad up past 90 degrees if you tilt it towards yourself, which I was pretty impressed with. I watched you use it that way, and I was impressed as well, because I've used a lot of the cases, the unfolding type that you set up with the Apple wireless Bluetooth keyboard for the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth generation iPads. We're on the sixth generation now, right? I've lost track. I can't remember. Sometimes we skip a generation. Sometimes, yeah. It's eight, ten, where nine go, don't know. Technology. <laughs> well, and none of them really station well on the lap. So right. if you were going to use the keyboard, it was a fixed position on a countertop. Right. And I, that's the last thing I wanted to like, I sit enough in, in hard chairs. I don't want to work like that. So and, and now the con, and of course it all ha also has the backlit keyboard, which is pretty, pretty sweet with real keys. But the con of course, is that it, it's a little effort to get it out of the case. Um, and it adds a lot of bulk, a lot of weight. It's, it was what we weighed it when you're down at the house, it was like 3.2 pounds altogether. <laughs> mm -hmm. versus your 2.0 pound MacBook. So, you know, it was it's bulky. And I don't actually mind the weight. The bulk is a little annoying, but uh, I don't know. It, it's okay. I, I was really hoping, if, especially if I was going to wait a few months, that if I was hoping there would be better solutions. I, would, I don't care how much it weighs. I would like it to just lock in there and be stable and also really easy to get out. Because it was actually, I worked with it today, during the day with, without any case. And it was actually pretty cool to work with without a case. It, it definitely felt like a whole other device. So I want to do that, but it's just not easy to get, get in and out of the, of the Logitech. That's the trick, right? Because it doesn't feel like it should be that hard being the most like mobile full on professional device. You'd think right. you could just magnetically, you know, pull apart the case from the pad. I'm not a mechanical engineer, but I can visualize what this thing needs to make the perfect case. And I just wish, I don't know. I wish I had, I knew someone. You just need to find some engineers, some product engineers on Kickstarter and tell them what you want. Do some pictures. I'm sure there's a drafting app. You can do some sketches on paper 53 mm. and the, you know, the iPad pro send it their way. They can kickstart this thing. If, if I had the time, I, I would look into that, but for now I'll just complain on a podcast. It seems easier. <laughs> <laughs> so so for now for right now today when i was working i have it it's basically docked in the to the the magnet but it's leaning leaning up against a box <laughs> so it's the best of both worlds i get the keyboard but i also get the, the option to just take it and go so also what i was going to talk about with this keyboard is is the is the os efficiencies like the keyboard shortcuts there's nothing faster than a, than a quick move of the finger on a on a keyboard rather than moving your arm all around to tap on things, you know, so command space, you know, takes you to, to search no matter where you're at. I mean, that's just fast. That's faster than, you know, clicking home and swiping, it, you know, there's just no way around it. So it's true. A lot of the keyboards shortcuts are helping. I'm really looking forward to there being more and, and slightly more thoughtful, for example, uh, the, the command space is great. It takes you right to search. You type something, and nearly always that first return, you know, the, the first search result is what you want. And naturally, if you've used a Mac, you just tap return. Well, that doesn't work on the Apple keyboard. You have to lift your arm up and actually touch the 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 thing. Mm -hmm. So you know, little things like that that I'm I'm hoping they'll fine tune over time. Little tiny things like that that they could move towards better efficiency. Okay, so I want to know, Joshua, from you, where does your MacBook fit into your life now that you have the iPad Pro, you're using it on a regular basis for most anything that you want to accomplish? I don't know. We still have, I still have the MacBook Air. Kids use it a lot for uh, Minecraft. I've not used it in the last week, I don't think. Wow, it's such a sea change. Yeah. I really didn't use it a whole lot anyways, so I don't know. Hmm confessions of a mac addict <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so going caseless uh, i used it caseless a lot today and and it, and it wasn't as heavy as i thought it would be it has a good balance but it is definitely hard to to hold and use at the same time so i did go ahead and buy a stump 
from the stump store. Have you guys heard of this? No, no stump store. Uh, David Sparks talks about his stumps a lot. He says he has stumps laying all around, but uh, basically they're kind of like rubberized. I don't know how to describe it. You have to just go look at it. Stumpstore.com. Pulling it up now. Going to show notes. Everyone go pull it up. Oh, okay. It's like a cradle for your iPad in your lap. Yeah. Like a little cradle, it's a little slot with a, like a cylindrical rubber boot. I'm doing a really bad job. Well, it's just a pedestal pedestal. Yeah. It's like a lap. What do you call those lap desks for notebook computers? Yeah. They've got a standard and they've got one designed for the iPad pro. I just went with the standard. I'm hoping it'll hold it because the pro looked like it was like this whole giant thing, which I wasn't looking for. 25 bucks. We'll see how, how it works. It's, it's on its way. All right. Looks like a good accessory. It'll be worth it. So what are you primarily using the iPad for? I've been using my iPhone a lot and all of the family have these new modern iPads. And so I was feeling jealous. Mm. More confessions of a Mac addict. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on this uh, longish document. Uh, and I started it in Google Docs on the desktop. Then I started using this iPad Pro because I thought, you know, I heard all this good stuff about Google Docs. And, and turns out the Google Doc app on iOS is really bad. It's It was unusable. So I thought, well, I've heard good things about Word on the iPad. So I downloaded, downloaded that, and turns out you needed an Office 365 subscription. That's right. And, yeah, so I, I actually have been fairly impressed with some of Microsoft's apps of late. So I went ahead and signed up for Office 365. So I was doing some finalizing work on this document on my desktop on Word, and went to export to PDF and was doing the final review. And just before I was done, I realized all of my links were dead. You know, so all of my hyperlinks just didn't work. I thought, what? Like, this is pretty basic, you know, hyperlink. This is pretty basic stuff. And so I did some Googling and it turns out, like, this has been an ongoing issue with Microsoft Word for like a long time on the Mac. If you export it to PDF, the links die. <laughs> I tried it on the Word version on iOS, and I, I think the first time I tried it, it worked. The second time I tried it, it didn't work, I think. And so then I was like, what the? You know, at this point, I'm just angry. So then I'm Googling away. I'm chatting with Microsoft online, and it turns out the solution is, you, you know, basically you finish up your Word document, you close it, you open it in pages, and export it to PDF. <laughs> which I'm like, this isn't a solution. This is not a solution. And, and, you know, anyone that's worked with Word documents realize if you open it up in a slightly different version of Word, your formatting is all jacked up. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing nothing but but trying to tweak this stupid document. I finally got it, got it working. And it was all for like two links in this document. It, and I just was blown away. I, I've been slowly gaining respect for Microsoft and, and their apps over the last years. But yeah, the, today took me back 12 years in my uh, estimation of, of what they're doing. Because obviously the word on the desktop and the word on online are, and the word on, on the iPad are, are different words. Like they're different applications. They're treating the same document in different ways. Like even like a, something as simple as a page break was in a different position. All right, then. So, John, you've got your iPad there in the office. And what's all that about? Because that's that's not day different from, well, Joshua, and I think so many other users that just wanted more iPad for their iPad. You're actually using it in a professional manner. You imagined you could streamline some of your work and be a bit more efficient. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, one of the big things is our company has recently migrated to SharePoint. And so we've got, you know, you know, the, the standard problem, you've got legacy projects that are that are stored on the on the servers. And then you've got the new projects that are stored in SharePoint. And unfortunately, I just still have not been able to um, to to really get a get a good use feel for for working with SharePoint on the iPad Pro and how it integrates with the office suite of apps. But based on what Josh is just saying, it could be dangerous with, with the formatting. So that's something I'm going to have to look, um, you know, be a little careful about. But It really shook my confidence when it can't export a link 
into PDF. Like I'm like, okay, if that's a bug, what else is there that that I'm missing? Well, I have noticed what like a PowerPoint and Excel. They're you know they're lacking some basic features. I, I like to make some some sketches in PowerPoint. I don't I don't have um, uh, Visio or or Cat or other kind of AutoCAD on my computer. So I I like to make some some simple colorful sketches with PowerPoint. And my colleagues sometimes like to make fun of me for that, but. I think they're really great, and they probably really like them secretly. But what I've found out is that I really can't operate PowerPoint using with that with that intent in mind right now because there are some basic things you can't do. And similarly with Excel, it's not granted it's not a feature that you probably use often. But if you make complex charts and tables, then sometimes you want to rotate the text in the cell. So instead of just being horizontally across the screen. You rotate the text 90 degrees, and you can't do that. You just can't do it. But, you know, at the same time, you also can't do it in Keynote. So I did find out that some of the limitations between the two programs, the the suites of apps, uh, Apple and Microsoft, some of the limitations are similar. But one of the, the new features that, my, that Microsoft finally did add in January was the ability to ink into a Word app. They added it prior to that in Excel and PowerPoint, but at work we do a lot of redlining of documents. Generally, the way I I use it now, I do a lot of redlining PDF documents. That actually works very well. I use PDF Expert, and I can, you know, print a document to like a giant E-size architectural drawing and then I've got a, a OneDrive account as you know, because we all have Microsoft accounts through work. So I I use my OneDrive account to I transfer the PDF I printed from my desktop to there. And then I can do the, the redlining and the review from my iPad Pro using the pencil. And or even drawing markups, that's the big thing. You know, sometimes you print up a large, you know, seventeen by twenty-two or larger sheet of paper and do some engineering markups in red ink. And then we send it to the drafters, and then the drafters CAD that up. But it can, it can get complex, especially if you make mistakes. You know, then you're pulling out the, the white out, you know, <laughs> you're white, whiting out red ink on this paper so that you can draw it in correctly or rewrite a typo you, you made or... And, and it can get real nasty real fast. So sometimes you end up, depending on how complex the drawing is and how many mistakes you make, you just end up printing another large sheet of paper and then, you know, going at it for the final try. And maybe you've only got one or two little white out spots on that one. But it's, it's so much easier and streamlined with, with PDF Expert and the Apple Pencil. I was wondering what you wanted to use for your PDFs. You prefer PDF Expert? Yeah, and I did, you know, there are several different programs, and I read several reviews, and I just, it's like they all, you know, they all get four and a half or five stars. It's hard to pick, so I just went with PDF Expert. I was just reading today uh, the Sweet Setup uh, ranked PDF Expert as their number one. It really is good software, especially when you consider Adobe's software and how much they want to charge you on a monthly basis to use it. This is a one-time purchase of 10 bucks, and you know, do all the basic things, extract, delete, rearrange, flatten. And the Adobe software is clunky and, and it's so expensive. So this is really, the, the, in my opinion, the best solution that's there now. Another one of my favorite apps is Evernote. You know, I've tried out, like you mentioned earlier, Joe, the Paper 53, and Adobe has a, a, a similar program called, uh, I think it's, it's Adobe Sketch. Uh, and, and of course, Apple's Notes, you can do a lot of sketches in that. But my favorite, really, for business use is Evernote. It's got a great inking quality to it that just really outmatches all the others together, I think. It's, it, it just feels really good. You can, you can move things around, easily export the images, and it's Evernote. So, you know, you... It's there forever. You create it, and as long as you've got a connection, your account's updated automatically, and everything, and all your notes are just there, sketches and that kind of thing. So it's a really handy tool uh, when, when paired with the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil. 
I still like Evernote. It, it gets a lot of uh, crap from the tech nerds. It is not the easiest to navigate, so I hope they continue to work on that. But it's still super powerful. You can't beat the integration. The APIs can integrate with everything. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the sync is is solid. So yeah, Evernote's pretty nice. Going back to Evernote and your use case then, John, are you using it for your work documents and personal files, or do you manage separate business and personal accounts? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I use it for both, but I've got separate accounts, so I try not to mingle them. Is it easy to switch back and forth on iOS? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, uh, especially if you've got the keyboard set up. When I'm making notes in Evernote, you know, I've got the, the iPad laid out flat and the keyboard's folded up, this, the Apple Smart Keyboard that I use. So switching accounts is just a matter of using the on-screen keyboard and, and, and typing in the different login information. It's a piece of cake. So you were, you're using it primarily for business, but you are using it for a little bit of your personal use. Is this actually a company-owned iPad Pro or... Do you consider it first and foremost your personal device and secondarily a work device, or where does it stand? Yeah, well, it's certainly my, it's my personal iPad. I, uh, our company does a, a subsidy program, which is pretty nice. So, you know, they'll fund up to 25% of a, of a computer purchase. It's a nice benefit. So since I was going to use it for work, I decided to take part in that. And, you know, we don't really have access to, to roaming Wi-Fi at work, so I have to tether to my, my iPhone and, and, and use my, my personal data plan. It's really worth it because it helps, you know, helps make me a lot more efficient at work, and I've got ready access to my notes. It's really a no-brainer. But I do try to keep my, my business thoughts separate from my personal thoughts in different Evernote accounts. At one time, I actually went so far as to try and divide them on my Mac. I think a lot of people just think of their Mac as just one repository for whatever they have going on in life. And it occurred to me several years ago that I could use one web browser for work and another web browser for personal use. And then I got to thinking, well, I could have separate file systems, you know, so I just consolidate all of my, you know, organize all of my personal files apart from any sort of foldering system that has to do with work you know, if I'm using the same computer for both work and personal use. And then I went one step farther and it occurred to me because these are personal Macs, why not actually create separate users for my work life and my personal life? And you got users who can share the Mac presumably with as many people as you like and create separate users. So what I do is I had one for work and one for life. And I did that for a while and it actually worked pretty well. If you need, if you have problems separating work and life, then that's a great way to do that because you're just not likely to go and explore something, you know, for, some entertainment, you know, or, you know, check out Facebook when you're in the zone in your user space that is already configured around your work and what you're doing in work life. But eh, long term, it's, it's not like something I wanted to maintain for a long time. It was a good experiment. And I, I see where... This has always been a conflict for a lot of people with Apple devices. Going back to, I think it was a week ago, Christina Warren on Mashable linked to something that someone else wrote where they were going back to, why did Apple ever adopt the I in their product names to begin with? And the I in their name stood for, you know, internet, connectivity, innovation, stuff like that. But one of the very first word in the presentation where Steve Jobs was describing the meaning behind I, the first uh, one was it represents individual. So it's supposed to represent the personal computer for the, you know, Apple's technologies. And I think what kind of is entailed there is that the, uh, the Apple computer, the, the, I, the iMacs, the Macintosh computers of any kind, and the iPads and by default, the iPhones and iPods, all of them are intended to contain all of your life for everything that you would want to use it for with one user account, one user space. And sometimes that, that can be difficult when you want to separate your work and your personal life. So I ask because there's a lot of apps that don't support a simple way to separate your work and personal life if you want more added focus or if you want to use multiple accounts? Well, with Evernote, 
I would say that it really makes it easy. It's a seamless transition. I mean, you, you click a couple of icons and you're logged out. And, Excellent. You know. I might be way behind the times. I'm not a huge Chrome user, but I was actually just playing today with, with Chrome's ability to have multiple uh, profiles open at the same time. Uh, and maybe, Joe, you know more about this. You're, you, you you use Chrome more. Mm-hmm. But that's been a, an issue with me, especially with Google accounts. You, know, you, have, you have a Google account. You have might have sheets or docs and then you have, might have an adwords account and all of this stuff and it just gets all intermingled mm-hmm. <laughs> it does get confusing it's hairy i started to use this the, the chrome profile thing is that a new thing or am i just way behind the times the button up in the top corner yeah it's been around for a few years oh, but say i'm feeling old but yeah but the thing is it was easy to overlook and it was Something that they've been iterating on over the years, I think it was maybe four or five months ago that the button now presents your name on the button. Right. And before it just had a cute picture of some kind of, (laughs) you know, avatar, a caricature. That's probably why. I think, I think maybe our our friend TJ shared a a, a snippet of something and I saw it. I think it was him. And I saw TJ up there. I thought, well, that's weird. And so I started to look into it, but I I wish uh, more, more apps would do something like that where you could actually run... I guess it would be hard on iOS, but uh, I don't like logging in and logging out. I wish there were other ways to do it. Okay, so real quick, in our last minutes, I want to talk about the pencil, my first impressions of the pencil and John's, and get y'all's quick take on the on-screen keyboard and just typing away on these external physical keyboards that y'all have, the two different models. So first of all, with the pencil... I just want to say that I, I've tried the iPad Pro in stores. I don't have an iPad Pro. I do like it. And if any of our listeners want to give me one, that's great. And the pencil is great. My thing about the pencil is that sometimes when I was just using it in the store and giving it test drive, it seemed like it may or may not be connected to the app. It was working one second. And then maybe I used the multitask switcher to pan to something and then to go, you know, refer to an image and then go back to while I was drawing and it was no longer working. It could have been simply that the pencil was dying because it was out of juice running all day there in the Apple store while other customers were using it. But when it was working, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, As far as a utensil, it feels great in the hand. And I've done a lot of drawing with other styli on iPads in the past. I've used Procreate Paper 53, um, some of the Adobe sketching art apps. I've used them for professional projects and personal projects and just, you know, occasionally letting the kids to color a picture and with hit or miss results. Whereas with the Apple Pencil, this is the first time you truly feel like you're getting a lot of bang for your buck when you spend $100 on a stylus. How do you feel about it, John? I don't do a lot of sketching, unfortunately. I was never blessed with the talent of being a good artist, though I always wanted to and sometimes continue to try. But looking in line, it looks like now that that it's been out for about three months, three or four months, the, 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 the sketching community seems to really be happy with it. And uh, at least the articles I've seen, I, I have not certainly exhausted all of them, but I've seen some videos and some, some commentaries that the various people who, who draw for a living have, have, are really happy with it. And for me, it's, it's, a, you know, it's really simple. It's, it's like writing with an ink pen. I write with ink pens all the time. And this phenomenon you're talking about with the cutting out and just it stops working. That certainly happens. When it dies, it dies. The iOS will give you, it'll prompt you, and it'll pop up with a little screen that tells you the, the Apple Pencil's down to 5% remaining. And when it dies, man, it's just, it's just gone. And you wonder, what, what is going on? Is it free? Was this, you know, is there an error? Has it frozen? I, fe- I expected the ink to fade away before it cut out on me. You know, kind of like with a pen when you get to the end of the ink. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a neat thing that they could implement, you know. But it's a piece of cake, right? Because you plug it in for 15 seconds and you get, what, 30 minutes out of it. So it's no problem. Yep. Yep. Okay. So then what about the keyboards? Starting with you, John. Well, I got the Apple Smart Keyboard. And frankly, I love it. Um, it's not heavy. It's not clunky. It's uh, it's not bulky, and that's what I was wanting. It, <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse me. 
<laughs> that is not, this is not an 80s computer show program, John. <laughs> you know, after listening to Josh talk about all of the, the merits of the Logitech, uh, I wasn't sure. But it's so stable and rigid <laughs> and straight. Joshua <laughs> wants to add a couple of weights. He's going to get some at the tackle shop. Well, you know, I like to lean back. I don't, I don't use my iPad in the bed. I do have a recliner. I've been married a lot longer than you have, so. <laughs> <laughs> I have a recliner, and I like to recline, and the iPad Pro with the smart keyboard works just fine in a reclined position. I like the, the tapping feel of the keys, and at work, it's, it's easy. You know, I, I just flip it open, and it's, it's like a tablet. You know, Josh mentioned, I, I think what he was trying to say is that it, it's kind of hard to detach. Is that right, Josh? Right. I mean, the, the actual iPad itself is kind of snapped in. Like if you'd open up, the, the top two corners are sort of snapped in. Yeah. Well, the good thing about that is it's very secure. If yeah. you were to drop this thing, it's protecting the iPad as well. It, it's a standard protective case. Right. Yep. And with the, the smart keyboard, you know, it's really easy for the thing to just pop off when you're kind of opening. And if, if, if you're not not too careful with it. But so that's kind of a, an annoying factor. But at the same time, it's magnetic and it just snaps right back on. It's not really not really a big problem. Does it seem awkward the way that the folds of the cover come in together and unfold and fold? You know, not not really. I also got the the silicon case for the back of the iPad. Oh, good choice. The official like $1000 Apple silicon case. <laughs> it costs more than the iPad Pro, <laughs> <laughs> along with the $75, you know, 3-foot lightning. But it it goes very I mean it's perfect. It's obviously meant to be used. It it mates and matches with the smart keyboard flawlessly. And it's a little bulkier when you put it all together, but it's got a good feel. It's rough. It's rugged. And I feel like it's protected. You know, I know it, it magnetically attaches to the keyboard. Is it a very strong uh, magnet? You know, because I'm, I'm playing with mine here. And, and my if I grab my iPad, if it's not attached to the back of the case, it pretty much will lift the weight of the one and a half or two pound uh, case. It's a very strong connection. My impression of the the security of that magnet is that it's stronger than, say, the MagSafe cords on uh, the MacBooks. It just seems it seems pretty strong. How hard is it to kind of pull off? It's a strong connection. Well, maybe for comparison, I remember with some of my smart covers with iPads. Kids don't do this at home, but I would dangle the iPads on the smart covers over the bed just in case they fell. So, you know, got a good firm grip on the cover and you let the iPad dangle below and you kind of give it a good shake, it would still stay together. I don't know that this is that secure because there's just so much weight to the two parts. Right. Well, I just tried it myself and you can, I mean, if you, you can hold the Me keyboard. Me too. <laughs> probably hearing all sorts of noise. <laughs> you can, you can hold the iPad Pro dangling down from the Logitech keyboard. Seriously, nerds, don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do it. Don't. That's, that's really all you want to do. As long, once you start swinging it, man, that's it. <laughs> that was a very expensive swing. Mm. So I'm glad we were, we were able to do this technical analysis of these uh, engineering designs. This is good. This is what we call functional testing. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> let's gather the engineers and dangle your iPads. <laughs> There's got to be a show title in there somewhere. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. I think that definitely wraps it up. Thanks, John. Good insights. Good review. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Josh, for having me back on again. It was a pleasure. Yeah, we'll get you back for something else new and engineering. Mm. This completes episode 47 of Tectonic. If you'd like to see more of anything that we mentioned in this episode, the show notes and links are at tectonic.fm slash 47. Follow the show on Twitter. It's at tectonicfm. And if you want to keep tabs on new releases and special announcements, you'll find them there. If you are having something lengthy that you'd like to share with us, you can send those via email to hello at tectonic.fm. You can always find me on Twitter. I recently changed my handle. I'm now at JCS Darnell. Uh, don't ask. And my co-host is at Joshua Pfeiffer. And our guest, John Livingston, is at nuclear underscore EE. 
Lastly, I want to say a huge thanks to a handful of the listeners that have given us a rating and review on iTunes. It does uh, help other people find the show and gives us some feedback so we know where to take it in the future. If you want to help us out, give us a rating on iTunes and let us know what you think of it. Give us a quick star review. It would mean a whole lot to me. And as always, I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to Tectonic. And you're welcome. You're welcome for not interrupting you there and mocking your Twitter handle. JCS. What is that? Well, hey, it was a whole conversation. It became a thing. I had, I wrote a response. It became Twitter handle gate. A response to who? Uh, this, the people on Twitter. I, I came out and publicly said, I changed my handle, carry on guys. And people were like, what the F? What are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, hey, I just switched from underscore Joe to JCS Darnell. Oh, so you just ruined it. I was going to do a test and ask John if he remembered your Twitter handle. <laughs> And he would have said, no, I don't remember it. No, not at all. But here's the thing. Here's my calculated risk. Who's going to look up underscore Joe Darnell to find me? Who's thinking like that? It's memorable. People have underscore. You think so? Oh, yeah. Underscore's not a thing. I, there's a lot of people who go by their initials, too, and those are memorable. Eh, not for me. Yeah, but you can change your Twitter handle the drop of a, I don't know, then you just go and vanish. You could. It could. It's really kind of a neat thing. See, though, I'm not underscore Joe Darnell across the internet. It's it's not what I am on my website. It's, you know, my web address isn't underscore Joe Darnell dot com or anything. The only place where I had the underscore was on Twitter. And I know other people who have underscores in their names, and it actually has, like, become a part of their personal identity online. I'm not opposed to that. I think that's great. But personally, for me, and I feel like most of the people who know me, if you already follow me on Twitter, it doesn't affect you. You are now following JCS Darnell. It only affects new people who discover me. And when looking for my name, if they're going to, you know, hunt down Joe Darnell, well, they might as well find the user handle that I'm using by going to Google. And so it's it's not too impossible to find me. Mm. The only conflict I can see is where anybody who wants to do an at mention will have maybe a harder time finding me in the at mansion when they go to write it. That's really unfortunate because I always tell my wife, it's like, hey, there's underscore Joe Dar- Darnell. <laughs> and the kids, it's like, hey, there's Mr. Underscore Joe Darnell. What am I going to do now? Kids will be crying. Poor kids. It's like a different person. Poor kids. <laughs>